A renowned artist and teacher, Ian Fennelly is definitely one of the most positive and kind-hearted creatives I have ever met. He has a contagious, can-do attitude that, aligned with his outstanding teacher skills, motivates anyone to grab a paintbrush and delve into art making. You can find more of his work over on his Instagram page at Ian Fennelly, but for now, please join us as we talk about why Ian draws big, how art communities are essential to your artistic growth, tips on dealing with trolls, color and composition as storytelling tools, and why everyone can and should make art. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etcherlab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etcher, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Ian, my first question for you is, when did you first fall in love with art? Wow, that's a great, a great question to start with, Anya. Um, I've always loved it. I think the, the, the short answer to that is I fell in love with it when I was very little. Um, when I was a baby artist, before I, before I went to art college, and it was the thing that I always did. It was the thing that I always loved doing. And I think when you're little and and you're kind of good at something, or you think you're good at something, you know, your perception is that I I can do this, I can draw, and you get lots and lots of positive feedback from people it just encourages you know to do it to do it more and then gradually I suppose you get better and you find out that at school you're maybe better at drawing than perhaps other people in your in your class and it's that positive reinforcement you know and you, and you teach things you're good so your teacher gives you jobs to go and to go and do you know if somebody needs to go and draw something for the nativity play at Christmas time you get the job to do it and it's those little things and the little baby baby steps at a very early age but they're so important you know, because they give you that confidence and that belief, even though looking back at the time, you're probably not as good as you think you are. But all that matters at that stage is just having that confidence, isn't it? So that's when I fell in love with it. And I've just I've loved it ever since. And I, I probably love it even more now. I think probably in the last five years, mm. I've fallen in love with it even even more so because because of the community that, that we're in now with the, the, the internet and social media. And I think it's a really positive aspect mm. for, for the, the creative people that we can connect with each other. And I think I, I love it even more because so much of what I do now is not just about me working. It's, it's me connecting with people and talking to people like yourself and, you know, doing workshops for Etcher and, and just, just meeting that community of people out there. So I love that aspect of it. And it's probably made me just, you know, appreciate so much the, the, the world that I'm, I'm involved in and the work that I do. Wow, that's beautiful. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, so, okay, so you were a kid and you loved art. And what I see a lot in our communities, um, a lot of artists getting discouraged because art gets hard at some point when you have that perception that you're not as good as you want to be. And then you lack that confidence and that positive reinforcement. Has that ever happened to you that you were in a stage that you did not know how to proceed and you were not believing in yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not, you know, it's not a smooth road. It's not an easy path. You know, there's there's times when, when I've I've not been able to, to draw and paint for, for all, all sorts of different reasons. Sometimes it's because of lack of 
probably not not so much lack of confidence, but just maybe lack of inspiration or, you know, perhaps the, the love just has, has gone for, for, for me because I've been doing it for a long time. I mean, I've, I've always drawn, I've always painted. I've been a, a professional artist all my life and, and a teacher, but there's been times when I, I, I couldn't really draw or paint. You know, when, when the children came along, we've got two children, when they were really little, and I was a full-time primary school teacher, so I was teaching small children full-time. So I was working, coming home, marking books, had to look after the kids, you know, put the kids to bed, bath the kids, and there was just no time for art. So I I kind of like didn't fall out of love with it, but it just wasn't a part of my life at that particular time. And then also, when I started working kind of with galleries and, and getting into the kind of commercial art world, you know, sometimes you get knocked back and you're getting kind of knocked back for the wrong reasons because you're getting knocked back from galleries, not because your work isn't good, but just because they can't sell it. Because all they're interested in, obviously, is the business side. Mm-hmm. So you get rejected from a commercial gallery and it's nothing to do with your work. Your work might be the best work you've ever done, but if they're not going to sell it, it's then the they're market. not interested. And it's a marketing thing. And that is that that can be really difficult as as, as well. So. You know, along the way, there's lots of there's lots of challenges. But I think now, personally, I feel it's a lot easier for people because there's so much many, there's so many more communities involved. You know, there's an awful lot of Facebook groups and there's lots of events that happen all the time, lots of virtual events and real events. So you can connect with people a lot more than I think you could, say, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. You know, when I left college, when I left university, I was, I was at Art College down in London. And I kind of felt very isolated because, you know, I left London. I left a lot of my, my student friends behind. And I was suddenly just immersed in the commercial art world with kind of no no training, you know, no idea how to deal with it. And suddenly all my work was just being judged, you know, not, not on artistic terms, but just on terms of, well, are we going to be able to make money out of this? Even? No. So they weren't interested. And that is that's really hard to overcome. But I don't feel that world exists now. Well, it, no, it does exist, but there's another world that's taken over, which is much more to do with, you know, community and support and encouragement, which I just think is a much healthier situation, you know, to, to be in. And yeah. it's also like, it's it's also a delicate balance. Because, for example, at Etcher, we have our Facebook group. And I was in the Facebook group with all of our community. I'm like, okay, guys, who would you love to see teaching at Etcher? And the amount of responses, like, Ian Fanley was like all over the roof. And I'm like, oh, we have to get Ian. So thank you so much for teaching with us and uh, being part of the, the podcast. Uh, so, yeah. So the the... Our community is pretty positive, and I've been in other places that the community is pretty positive as well, but there are negative spots out there where people are just, you know, trying to criticize everyone, everybody else's, everyone else's work just for the point of being critical and not for the point of being helpful. So even though what you're saying makes a lot of sense, and I highly agree with you, which is the internet has brought us closer together in open doors to, for us to meet other artists who we would have not in other, it was impossible for, I would have never met you yeah. unless yeah. I would happen to go to the UK and I would go to an exhibition that you were part of and maybe I would get maybe maybe if I were lucky I would get to get to know you which is pretty sad and now the internet has brought us closer together but it's also kind of a it's double-edged sword in a sense that you can either find a safe positive environment where you connect with other artists or there's also a darker side to it that I think it's it's 
they're, they're, it's filled with people ready to bring you down. You are. It's a very good point because you are exposed, aren't you? You know, I mean, I, I posted something recently on Instagram and, you know, I've got a lot of, I'm fortunate, I've got a lot of people that follow me on Instagram. So suddenly my, my, my platform for exposing my work is huge. It goes all over the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you are going to get people that are going to, you know, have a dig at you and, and maybe, you know, dwell on the negatives and, and and you've just got you've got you've just got to accept that that's the way it is. But I understand that some people would find that really really difficult, um, you know, because we are exposing ourselves all the time. You know, we're we're creative people. We work in the visual world. Mm-hmm. You know, you do a, a drawing, an urban sketch, or a painting, or whatever it might be, and it's it's suddenly it's it's out there, isn't it? You post it, it's out there, and it can get shared, and all sorts of people can see it. And sometimes people can maybe just be a little bit jealous or a little bit spiteful, or they could just be getting out of bed, get, getting out of bed the wrong way, and they're just a bit grumpy, or their coffee didn't come on time, so they just <laughs> go and see something, and they just press a, you know, fairly negative. I mean, I've had so many over the years. I've had so many negative comments from people, but it's far outweighed by the positive ones. I think the problem is, Andy, you sometimes you forget the positive ones, don't you? And I think you just think about the ones that you know yeah. me negative uh, it's like our yeah. brains are great at focusing on the negative but it's just like you were kind of implying if we do realize at least it's, it worked for me if i realize that people who are being negative don't actually know you they're being negative for whatever reason that justifies themselves for being negative then it's all of a sudden it's not about you it's about them and that makes it much easier to disconnect and just pay attention to what matters i think I remember a couple of years ago, I, I, I'd been up to Edinburgh and I did a whole series of workshops in, in Edinburgh in Scotland. And I posted, I think, four of the pictures on um, on a Facebook site that, that I, I post stuff on. And and most most people just say, oh, you know, nice, nice drawing, Ian, like that, like blah, blah, blah. Maybe one lady, and I can't remember her name, she's not a friend of mine, but she did a full on crit. And she wrote this massive, massive, big, long appraisal of what well, it, it was quite negative as well, saying, well, that one doesn't work because there's too much colour. That one doesn't work because the perspective's wrong. That one doesn't work because there's too much detail. And she really went to town. So I just left it up there because I, I, I thought it was quite funny. Um, but then she got so many subsequent comments from other people. And they were all basically saying, look, just just you know, just ease off a little bit. All Ian's done is just posted stuff for us to to enjoy and to, and to you know, he's just sharing it. You know, it's, it's a gallery. You know, he, he's, not, he's not a student who's looking for his, his kind of appraisal from his tutor. Because I think she just misunderstood and she just really went for it. Um, and it's still up there. You can probably still find it. Um, but it took me back to my student days. I felt like I was a naughty child at school who got who got my homework wrong. <laughs> my goodness! Oh, there are people out there for everything. And uh, thank you for sharing that story. That's hilarious. Uh, my goodness. So focusing more on your art now. You are more of a watercolorist, and you like to draw big. Yeah. Why yeah. big? Okay, that's a, again, that's a great question. Um, when when I'm working on location, I, I I I don't just rock up and do the first thing that 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 presents itself to me. So, for for example, when I was in Porto a couple of years ago at the symposium, 
I spend a lot of time working out the composition and the thing that I want to draw to tell the story of the place. And to tell the story of the place, I need a lot of detail. There's a lot of little things going on in the pictures. So, for example, in Porto, it could be there's a Vespa park there. You know, there's an amazing crack going down the wall. There's a beautiful sign. There's a lovely facade on the building. There's a little narrow passageway. There's some cobbles on the street. So all of those things are telling the story of that place. And they're telling the story of my relationship to it and what I see and what I think is important. So I need a big piece of paper to fit it all on. You know, because I don't rock up and just do a quick little sketch for 10 minutes and then go off and have a, a coffee. I actually spend two hours maybe or two and a half hours on location drawing it and layering it with different mediums like, like watercolour paints and, and pens and brush pens and, and everything. So it's a journey of, of looking deeper and deeper into the subject so you come to terms with it, you understand what it's about, what the place is about and what it means to you so therefore i do need a big a big piece of paper it doesn't work on a small scale <laughs> do you spend a lot of time observing before you get the pencil on paper i don't spend a lot i, I do spend some time yeah i do i spend a lot of time wandering around and looking at things from different angles so if we just use the the example of porto again for example i would um If, if I went down to, say, the harbour, down, down to the quayside, and I knew there was something around one of those little squares that I wanted to, to draw, because I remember some old little churches right down on the quayside. So if I wanted to draw one of those, <clears throat> I would wander around for maybe five minutes, probably five minutes, and just, just think about, about it from different angles. I'd have my stool with me, so I'd be sitting down on the stool. I'd be looking around. And then when I, I, I had, had decided on the, the actual spot I was going to draw, I'd make sure that there was other things maybe outside of my view, which I could bring into the scene. So, for example, I might be drawing a, a, a scene of um, the quayside with a church and with little cobbled streets, but parked, say, five meters over to the left, there could be a Vespa parked against a wall. But I know I can bring that Vespa into the picture. Or there might be a sign, like a give way sign or a stop sign or a don't park here thing over on the right-hand side, and I can bring that in. So... When you're spending a little bit of time working out the subject, you're also thinking about the other things that surround it that you can bring in to the scene. And that, to me, is creativity. That, that what, that's what makes the art so, so fascinating because, you know, as an artist, you're in control of what goes in and what goes out. So I spend a lot of time thinking not just specifically about the subject, but about other things around the edges that can be brought in to the picture i mean i don't do it in a, like a silly way you know for example i wouldn't bring like a huge big block of flats over or you know i wouldn't put a boat in a boat there or a tree they're only little minor things but those little minor things make such a huge big difference you know to the storytelling part of the sketch that's beautiful and another thing that i noticed in your art is your use of color you use very bright warm colors And it's not all over the place. You know exactly where you're placing color. You make a conscious, it's, it's a choice of yours. So it's not just about the composition, what you bring in and what you exclude. It's also about storytelling through color. Would you mind expanding a little bit on that? Yeah, yeah. So so the, the coloring stage, the, the coloring in stage, um, that happens kind of a, about halfway through the process. So I sketch the outline and then I put the medium shapes in and then I put the color on. And with the color, <clears throat> I always feel there's, there's two there's two strands to it. There's the 
observable color, the local color, the color that you can see in reality. So, <clears throat> for example, I'm going to go back to Porto again. There was one particular um, sketch that I did, and it had this bright yellow facade on the building. So that that would be localized color. That would be a color that you really would have to paint that building yellow because it's yellow. And if you didn't do it yellow, you could argue, well, what's the point in doing it anyway? You know, it's a yellow building. It's what's grabbed your attention. You do it yellow. But then when the yellow goes on, that yellow has a life of its own and it's talking back to you. It's communicating back to you. It's saying something to you and it's saying to you, you know, I need something else now. You know, yellow by itself isn't happening. So, you know, maybe I need some Prussian blue or I need some ultramarine blue or maybe I need some burnt sienna or and crimson or green gold. You know, I need something else to play with. And and that that's where the kind of the drama and the the expression and and the excitement all starts to to happen. And you're kind of controlling it, but at the same time you're letting it play on the page. And you're giving it its own life just to kind of explore all the shapes that you've drawn. So you, it's really important you've got the shapes down in the first place because it's, it's exploring those shapes. And sometimes <clears throat> it goes into one of those shapes and sometimes it decides to go over the edge and maybe it goes off somewhere else. So what you're doing is you're just facilitating it. You're allowing it to have a life of its own. Wow. So it's a very emotional part of the process. But you see, that, that only works as well, Andy, because you've got the structure down in the first place. And then when the paint's dry, you can then start layering it with other things. So you can layer it with brush pens and you can calm it down. And then you can start adding the detail on top. So although the colour <clears throat> looks quite chaotic when you're putting it on, because I know it's part of a process and I know what's going to happen afterwards, it kind of works out okay. But I guarantee that when I'm working on location, People always come around and start watching me when I'm putting the colour on and it looks terrible because it looks dog's bum. When I put the colour on, it's an absolute mess. And people come up and say, I can't see that colour there. Why have you put blue on there? I can't see blue. It's yellow. That building's yellow. You put blue on as well. And you try and explain to them, well, you know, I'm, I'm, having, I'm just having fun. You know, just leave me alone. I'm trying. It's the first one I've ever done. I've never done this before. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh my goodness people you have phones with cameras if you want the exact depiction of color you can take a picture and bring it home but then you're still going to go and buy one of ian's uh pieces because you'll love it when it's finished so back off yeah how do you deal with uh creative curious onlookers i i i, I must admit i love it i love it i try and interact with the, the public as much as i can because i just kind of feel that you've taken your studio outside you know your studio is the big the big wide world so just engage with it as much as you can and you know i spend a lot of time being being filmed and running workshops I, i'd say the, the vast majority of the time that i'm outside i'm actually being filmed or i'm doing a demonstration so you, you are i think drawing people in towards you you know people are curious because they don't often see people sketching and painting outside mm. so when they come over i i'd say 99 times out of 100 they are so polite and so pleasant and just really lovely and, and you know, complimentary. And I just engage with them. And what, what you find, Anya, a lot of people say, um, oh, I wish I could do this. I used to draw at school, but I've just not had a chance to do it. Oh. So you say, well, just come and join us, you know, and you give them information for the local Facebook group, the local urban sketching group, and, you know, just encourage people just to go and do it. 
because anybody can do it. It's totally free. You don't need any skills. You just get up there with your piece of paper and your pencil and you just look at what's out there and you just record it. And it's so good because what you're making your mark on the world, aren't you? As you're passing through, you know, you're just making a little mark on a piece of paper and that is you. That is just you saying, I've been here. Why do you think people so often believe they are not capable of art making? Do you think it's connected to what we were talking earlier about if you're encouraged as a kid, then you grow confidence and you keep working on it, but maybe some kids don't get that confidence, people don't believe in them, and that fades away? What do you think it is? I think it's a whole host of reasons, Anya. I think the main one, I would agree with you, that you've just you've just mentioned. I think a lot of people probably had negative experiences, you know, at school. You know, perhaps they, they were told they weren't particularly good. Because, I mean, I, I don't think the art teaching years and years ago was as positive as it is now. I think teaching's a lot more positive. Everybody gen generally is more supportive. And this is a massive generalisation. I can only really go by my own experience. But I know when I was at school... The teachers weren't as encouraging. You know, teachers would come along and they would say, no, that is wrong. You don't do that. Now, I would never say that to students. You know, when I ran hundreds of workshops and I would never say that to anybody. You know, I like to think that when I run a workshop, I'm really supportive and really um, uh, encouraging for people. But I know a lot of people have come up to me and said, you know, I'd love to do this, but I was always told when I was at school I wasn't very good. And then and then life takes over, doesn't it? Because I think a lot of people think that art is a bit of a luxury that they perhaps can't afford the time for. I mean, I'm fortunate because I, you know, I make a living out of it. And, you know, I travel all over the world and I, I do all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, so I'm fortunate. But the, I know there's a lot of people that perhaps have got other types of jobs, you know, non-creative jobs. And they finish their job and they're just exhausted. And the last thing they want to do is pick up a pen and go off and get soaking wet outside, you know, trying to draw a soggy building. So I can understand, I can understand that. But I think I think if 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 you've got the the desire to do it and you want to do it, I just don't think you should deny yourself. I think you should give yourself the opportunity. And even if it's just a quick little sketch and you only do it once a week with a group of friends, I really think you should you should do it because you just don't know where it's going to lead. You know, you don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. And sometimes when you spend a lot of time not drawing or painting, it, you kind of, it's not like you lose the love for it, but it becomes so buried deep within that you forget how it makes you feel when you actually make art. And I'm saying that because we were talking, you have two children and I have a baby. And for us who always loved art, we had to pause it for a little while while the kids were tiny. I'm pausing it right now. I barely have time to make art. And it kind of pains me because I love it so much that I try to make room for it. But for someone who is not that visually passionate or does not understand yet how much they love it, like you're saying, they might need a little push to practice it every once and again. Because it's like almost like making sports. You really don't feel like getting out of bed to run, but when you do it, you feel so much better afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. I think the other thing as well is that a lot of people feel that maybe they're not good enough to do it. You know, I think they feel that they need like a, a baseline of a certain level before they can begin. And I mean, my argument would be well, you've got, everybody's got to start somewhere. You know, every sketch, even my, my, my best drawings, they've all started off as a dot, which turns into a line, which turns into a shape. And it's the same analogy with, with, with somebody's own kind of personal 
development. You know, we've all got to start somewhere. And if you don't start, you'll never find out, will you? You'll never know where it's going to lead. And I think it's it's probably more of an issue now where people are exposed so much to what other people are able to do. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if anybody wants to see what I do, they just have to go on my Instagram account and they'll probably see like 300 sketches and stuff that I've done over the last few years. So you can quite easily find out what other people are doing. But I don't think it's healthy to compare yourself to anybody else because I've been drawing for a long time and sketching and I've been involved in all sorts of stuff over the years. And I've, I've, I've kind of, if you like, dedicated my life to doing it. So that's going to be completely different from other people who, you know, are perhaps starting to sketch maybe in their 40s and, you know, they spent all their life doing something completely different and they just want to do it for fun. But it shouldn't stop them from doing it because you're not comparing yourself to anybody else. You're only comparing yourself to you, to yourself. You're the only one that matters. And that's why when I'm doing workshops, I'm very mindful not to be critical, not in a, a negative way. I mean, I'm critical in a positive way. And I have very clear like objectives, learning objectives, mm-hmm. which I want people to, to, to understand what they are. And hopefully they can they can appreciate what they've achieved based on these objectives. But I wouldn't go around and, and be negative because you just don't know what people's journey is. You know, to get there, you don't know what they've got through in order to get on your workshop. You know, they might be really lacking in confidence and it could be the first time they've ever drawn in front of anybody else and you just you don't know that so you've got to be so careful with um, with, with 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 supporting people and making sure that you know they all feel good about what they're doing i yeah. wish we had more teachers like you in this world because that's positive teaching all right um okay on that note if you're listening to this now ian's live demo was on December 20th that has already passed but we do have a recording for you to watch Uh, you can grab the link for that on our post and um, if you're still in time January 16th if you're listening to this before then Ian is hosting a workshop with us at Etcher and you can find a link to that again on the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash Ian um, any last words before we part or do you like would you like to say what you will be covering in the workshop? Okay, so in in the workshop, I'm going to be doing um, a coastal scene because I live on the Wirral, which is kind of a peninsula and it's surrounded by loads and loads of like estuaries and marshes and loads of old abandoned fishing boats. So for the workshop, I'm going to be focusing on an old abandoned fishing boat, which is kind of beached on what's called the mudflats. Mm-hmm. So kind of like mud flats that go right the way out to the estuary and it's kind of tilted on an angle so there'll be lots of really interesting perspective the colors in the image that we're working from are actually quite muted so i'll be doing some kind of inventing colors and mixing colors on the page as well and then lots and lots of detail lots of detail to kind of give it a sense of weight and depth as it kind of sits on, on an angle on the mud flats and then beyond that you'll see the welsh mountains in the background going right across the marshes so i'm going to be breaking it down into lots and lots and lots of steps um and it's going to be great fun i can't wait to do it thank you i am super excited for it as well and uh our dear listeners i hope you guys can make it and it will be quite a treat because you'll be learning directly from ian any last words before we wrap up anything you'd like to leave our audience no can i just say thank you all for joining us and thank you all so much for listening okay and good luck on your creative journeys 
What do you think of the episode? Please let us know what resonates with you on the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash Ian. That's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B.com forward slash I-A-N. Or if you're watching this over on our YouTube channel, simply use the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then... Let's make more art.